All right, so welcome to uh, Leadership Night, and uh, I think all of you are part of our church, I believe, but uh, my name is Mel, and I'm the lead pastor here at Summit, and I want to encourage you over the next couple months, uh, if you feel like this is helpful, invite people who normally don't attend our church, because we really want to be a resource for our community and help the leadership level of our community grow as well. And uh, last time we met together, uh, we talked about how to develop a healthy team culture and what that looks like, um, and so... At the end of last week's or last month's talk, uh, we said, "Hey, what are some things you guys would like to hear about?" And one of the things that they mentioned was uh, how to resolve conflict, how to have tough conversations. And uh, and I would encourage you. There are a ton of good resources out there on this topic. One of the best books I've ever read on the topic of tough conversations and handling conflict well is a is a book called uh, Crucial Conversations. And if you haven't read that, I would encourage you to. Um, it's a great book and it's very practical. Um, and so I'm going to walk through some of the stuff with you tonight, and I will tell you, my personality type is one that I lean into conflict, and that sounds like a bad thing, but if um, there's a few folks in the room that work with me a little closer, and, and you'll understand this, um, conflict is not a bad thing. Conflict can be a really good and healthy thing, but unresolved conflict is a really bad thing. Unresolved conflict can undermine an organization. Unresolved conflict can, can um, sabotage a team. Uh, unresolved conflict can cause all kinds of problems long term. So, so I don't want you to think of conflict as a bad thing. I lean into conflict because of my personality type. Um, we don't have time to get into it tonight. We've done a, a, a thing, well, the Enneagram. Is anybody familiar with the Enneagram? So some of you are. It's a great, it's a great tool that we use as a staff and with our elders. Uh, and on the Enneagram, I'm an eight, uh, which means that if I'm healthy, I can speak truth and love, uh, which is what Jesus did. But if I'm unhealthy, I can be a, a total jerk. And I can railroad people. I can be a bully if I'm not healthy. And so I lean into hard conversations because my view is I'm going to speak truth and love to you because I love you enough to speak truth. I want to help you get better. Um, and again, if I'm not healthy, it doesn't always go that way. But uh, I lean into conflict. And I also know that there's some people sitting in this room, or maybe you're listening to this recording, and you recognize, like, man, I hate conflict. Like, I don't want to have conflict. And most of us are wired that way, because I lean into it to some degree, but I still want people to like me. And so you still have this tension. Uh, but one of the problems we have, um, and we won't spend much time here, but one of the problems we have when it comes to tough conversations and tough talks is that we delay them too long. That, that we don't have them in an appropriate time. And the longer we wait, the worse it gets because now it's like, man, I need to talk to them about that, but that happened three months ago. And now it feels weird to go back and say, hey, you remember when you did that thing? No, I don't. Well, you did a thing and it was, you know, like it just gets worse and it gets harder. And so uh, I would tell you the best time to have a tough conversation is before you're comfortable. Um, we're never gonna be ready for it. Uh, and so this is where I'd say you pray about it, you ask God for wisdom, but at the end of the day, um, you, you have to have tough conversations. And uh, I think there's application in this talk, whether we're talking about having a tough conversation with a subordinate, so somebody that works for you, a peer, somebody that you're in relationship with, or um, somebody you work alongside, or even, even a superior, because I know that's probably terrifying. Uh, I'm, I'm a boss, um, and, and I don't know what it's like to have to go to my boss and have a hard conversation because I'm the boss. But I know some of my staff, they've had hard conversations with me and it terrifies them. And I feel like I'm 
fairly easy to get along with, but it's still having to talk with your boss, right? And so I feel like there's some application for all these things today, um, and so I want to walk through that. Um, I think there's four questions you have to ask yourself before a tough talk. And so if you're a list taker, I've got two lists for you today. Uh, well, really, there's like eight lists, but there's two primary lists. Um, the first one is the four questions you have to ask yourself before a tough talk. Uh, and the first question I would tell you, you always ask yourself before you engage in a difficult conversation is, what's my desired outcome for this conversation? What do I want the payoff to be at the end of this conversation? What do I want the outcome to look like? Because if you're not quite sure what you want the outcome to look like, it probably means you just want to win an argument. Um, if you want to have a hard conversation, but you don't know what the end game is, it probably means you just want to you just want to get even. Like, I've been hurt, and I, now I want to settle the score a little bit. And so it's always good for me to go, okay, what is my desired outcome? What do I want the end game to be of this? You know, once we talk, if things go well, what does it look like? Now, for those of you, I think, again, everybody in here, I believe, goes to our church. Um, we refer to Matthew 18 a lot. And Matthew 18 basically says, Jesus says, hey, if you've got a problem with your brother, you go to your brother and you settle the conflict. And if things are good, then you've gained back your brother. Um, but if that doesn't work, then it escalates. And here's the steps. Here's what it looks like. And so I, I believe in that. I believe um, that that's the goal. Hey, we're going to have... We're gonna have resolution of this conflict, and hopefully the resolution is I'm gaining my brother back. Um, so always ask yourself, what's my desired outcome? Uh, what am I trying to accomplish? The second thing is this. <laughs> what are my assumptions about the other person? Because many times when we get in conflict with another person, we automatically have assumptions about them. Uh, when they do something or say something, it's real easy to go, well, I know why they did that. Well, it's because they're evil. <laughs> it's because they hate me, because they're trying to undermine me, because they, we make all these assumptions about who they are, about their character, about what we think they wanted to do or how they wanted to do it. And um, especially as believers, it's really important for us to go, okay, I don't know what, what they were motivation was. I don't know what their heart was. I don't know what was going through their head. And it's important for us to extend the benefit of the doubt as much as possible. Um, it's really important to see the other person as a person to work with, not an enemy to vanquish. Because uh, again, a lot of times in conflict, I want to win. Is anybody else like that? Or is, am I the only one? Okay, thank you for a few honest people. Like, I like to win arguments. And so sometimes, if I'm not, if I'm not careful, um, in my effort to see this as a competition, um, I'm not considering their heart. I'm not considering their motive, their motive. I'm not considering anything about them. And so one of the most important things I can do is ask myself, hey, um, what are my assumptions about this person? Are my assumptions healthy or not? And normally they're not. And so if I can back off that, it helps me see them as a person, uh, not as uh, an opponent. The third thing is this, what's my attitude about this situation? So I might have the right assumptions about the person, or maybe I don't have any unhealthy assumptions about the person, but maybe the conflict or the situation we're in, um, I've got a negative attitude about it. And I will tell you, whatever my attitude about that situation is, is going gonna, is gonna to speak directly to the outcome of that situation. So if I bring a negative view into it, if I think, man, this is ridiculous, this is stupid... I'm going to wade through that. On the other side of it, it's going to be a self-fulfilling prophecy. I'm going to say, this is ridiculous. I don't even know why we're dealing with this. And on the other side of it, I'm going to see it was ridiculous. Uh, but if I go into it with the right heart and the right perspective and the right attitude, then the situation normally uh, represents itself pretty well on the other side of it. Um, 
So I would ask myself, what is my attitude about this situation? The fourth thing I would ask myself before I get into a tough talk is, uh, what am I responsible for in this situation? Because many times when we go into a difficult conversation about a, a difficult situation, um, it's easy for us to play the blame game and go, well, if they just hadn't done this, everything would have been fine. But what I have to do, especially as a leader, is look at the situation and go, okay, um, what part do I play in this situation? Was I unclear about my direction? Uh, were there things uh, that I was too vague about that maybe they went in the wrong direction because it was my fault? So what, what part did I play in creating the situation that now I'm having to try to fix? Um, because again, if I can do that as a leader, it helps me diffuse that because then I can own part of that as we get into it. Uh, does that make sense? So even as... Um, as coworkers, if you're working alongside someone and you realize, man, you know what? I probably could have done this differently. That will help diffuse the situation once you get into it. And that's really helpful to identify that before you get into the conversation. Because I promise, if you had a part to play in the conversation, once you get into it, the person you're talking to will probably tell you. Um, so, uh, so that's important to do. And I will tell you this too. Um, I think there's application for this even in your marriages or, or peer relationships. Uh, and there's a quote from a, a couple's counselor. His name's John Gottman. And he said this, even in stable, happy relationships, when conflict begins with hostility, defense sequences result. So when we are aggressive, when we come into a situation, when we've got, you know, like the gun is cocked, locked, and ready to, like we're ready for a fight, uh, what's going to happen is the other person's defenses are already up and, uh, and it is not going to resolve itself very well. So defense sequences happen. That's the result. And they're going to be defensive. You're going to be defensive. And so the best thing we can do is go into it with an open heart and say, okay, what part did I play? What's my attitude? You know, what can I how can I come into this with a healthy attitude and a healthy perspective? Um, because if we do that, then getting started is so much easier. So as we get started uh, into this, the most important, one of the most important things you can do is initiate the conversation. And so I, I want to throw it back to you guys for a few minutes. I want to ask the question, if you wanted to initiate a difficult conversation with somebody you work with, um, you know, somebody that was a subordinate for you, whatever it might be, give me some examples of ways you might do that. And I'm not going to point you out or say you're wrong or anything like that. I just want to hear practical experience. Yeah, Denise. Do it privately? Do it privately? Okay. So what would you say privately to them? You mean just to get it started? Yeah, just to get it started, like to initiate a conversation like that. Okay. I love that response, actually. Um, psychologists actually tell us, I don't know if you heard that, she said, hey, I would, there's something I would love to talk to you about. When is a good time for you? So psychologists actually tell us that um, one of the best things you can do when initiating a conversation is to give them some power into it so they don't feel like they're trapped. And so if you say, ask a question like that and say, hey, I, I want to have a, I would love to talk to you about a situation. When's a good time for you? You've given them power to be able to speak into, well, here's when I could do that. And so that's a great response. You didn't even know that playing into the psychology. Well done, Denise. Who else? Nobody wants to follow her now. Yeah, Sarah. I would build on that. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Hey, let's go meet somewhere. Yeah. Where would you like to meet? Um, yeah, absolutely. I think that's a great idea. What else? Well, just open it up with saying like something that you feel that you might have brought wrong to the, the, yeah. the situation was. And then they don't get on the defensive, so you kind of put 
Yeah, I think that's a great play to, to be humble about it and say, hey, you know what? Um, I noticed there's some tension and I might have I come off too strong or I might have said. And so, you know, I think, is that what you're kind of getting at? Yeah, I think that's great. Vance, did you have your hand raised? Mm-hmm. You could tell her performance wasn't up to par, and, and I would bring them in, and I would say, you know, well, you've been seeing this, or I've been seeing that, but what's going on at home? What's going on outside of work that, that you're concentrating on that more? Yeah. You're concentrating on your job that's causing kind of a poor performance. Mm-hmm. Try and work through that. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, you know, in, in our environment, in the church setting, and we talk about this a lot, that as leaders in a church and as pastors and different things like that, everything we do springs from our heart. And so if our heart is unhealthy for whatever reason, and I don't mean sinful even, but if our heart is unhealthy for whatever reason, then that's gonna, we're going to see symptoms of that in all areas of our lives. Uh, but it's true in, in non-church workplaces as well. And so I love that approach because um, because then what you're doing is you're demonstrating, hey, I don't just care about you as a unit of value to this organization, but I care about you as a human being. So, man, is something going on at home? And, you know, that really does speak to that situation, I think. So, yeah, that's a great response. Yeah, Michael. I think it's useful whenever somebody disagrees with you to do a little bit of a background on their position so that you understand it, because what happens when you go into the conversation, I think it's effective to summarize or make the case for their position at least as well as they would make it to you Mm -hmm. because then it shows that you understand them you understand where they're coming from and i think that you're very unlikely to persuade someone away from a way of thinking unless they believe that you've done due diligence uh, as to what they believe to begin with yeah i think it's a good good response it is important you actually i think you looked at my notes before we started so it's not nice Anybody else? A way that you might initiate a tough conversation? Aaron, did you have something? Tina thinks you did. Okay. Okay, go ahead, Tina. I always like to start with a positive before you go into the Right. You know, just to kind of break the ice, talk about positive. Yeah. So, um, this is a little bit crude. It's just family. We're family here. I'm going to say it. So I, I have called that a crap sandwich with our staff because it's like, hey, we love you. You're doing great in this area. You stink at this. But man, I just want you to know, you know, so it's like affirming and here it is. And that's right. So you finish with a positive too. Um, and so, yeah, I've called that a crap sandwich from time to time. But the only thing and, and what I've realized when I've tried to do that. I've got, to, I've got to tailor that to the person because sometimes all they hear is the buns. You know what I mean? Like they just hear the bread. They don't hear the stuff in the middle. And it's like, no, no, no. I need you to fix the stuff in the middle. Yeah, Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> so they're, they're like on keto then. No, no bread. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Well, let me, if it's okay, let me just, I've got a few examples. And so if you struggle with, with um, initiating a tough conversation, um, here's, here's a few examples that might be helpful for you. Um, hey, I have something I'd like, to, uh, I'd like to speak to you about that I think would help us work together more effectively. Um, and again, it's not directed at, hey, if you would just stop doing this, then we would get along better. Um, 
I need your help with what just happened. So maybe, have you ever been in a meeting and there was tensions and you walk out and you're like, what do I do with that? And so uh, this is something you might say, I need, I, I need your help with something with what just happened. You have a few minutes to talk. Um, I need your help with something. Can we talk about it uh, and be specific? Because what I've found is a lot of times if you say, hey, I would love to talk to you sometime. Okay, I'll get back to you. They don't want to get back to you. They know there's about to be a hard conversation. So what you have to do as a leader is initiate that and say, okay, hey, when can we get together? Or maybe you say, hey, I would love to talk to you. Can we talk later this week? Sure, I'll let you know. And if they don't let you know, that's where you follow up. Um, So again, it comes back to you. If they don't follow up with you, you can say, well, I did my job. They just didn't follow up. But as a leader, we take the high ground or the high road and we always say, okay, I'm going to be the one to follow up. Um, Hey, I think we have different perceptions about blank. I'd like to hear your thinking on this. I'd like to talk about blank. I think we may have different ideas on how to blank. (laughs) So again, you fill in your own blanks. Um, I'd like to see if we might reach a better understanding about blank. I really want to hear your feelings about this and share my perspectives as well. So if you hear the common theme in this, what we're trying to do is set up an opportunity to have a hard conversation without putting them on the defensive immediately. Um, we, we want them to understand that, hey, this isn't about fixing you. It's about us coming to some common ground. Uh, people typically do better when they have control of the situation, like we said earlier. And so that's why if you can let them decide about setting or times or those kind of things, that helps. Um, and I will tell you this too, people don't want to be trapped. So if the worst thing you can do is if somebody stops by your office for a talk, you go, hey, close the door. There's something I need to talk to you about. Oh gosh, like right, they're locked in at that point. Uh, and so I think it's always good to, to give them some warning. And I try to do that with my staff say, hey guys, um, man, I just want to let you know that I wanted to visit with you about, you know, Sunday morning, you know, you know like with Todd. Hey Todd, I want to talk to you about worship on Sunday morning. Uh, when you get a few minutes, you know, let me know. Um, and so that way he knows, like, okay, I know Mel probably wants to talk about this, so he can brace himself, he can be ready to respond. And, and that way it's not a total shock to him. Um, so I try never to surprise my staff. So once I get into a conversation... Um, the first thing I always do, and again, here's your second list, and there are sub-lists on all this, so I'm sorry if you're a list taker and I'm messing you up. The, the first thing is, one, this is Roman numeral one, by the way. Roman numeral one is ask questions. Because a lot of times when we're in a, in a difficult conversation, we want to uh, come out guns blazing and we want to say, you need to fix this and you need to do this and here's all your problems. But one of the most important things we can do is ask questions. And the question shouldn't be, how could you be such an idiot? because don't you want to ask that question sometimes? How could anybody do something so stupid? Uh, No, the question should be, uh, hey, help me understand. Hey, we're at an impasse for some reason. Hey, we're having this conflict for whatever reason. Help me understand what's going on. And it was kind of what Vance referred to earlier. You know, ask the questions. Hey, what's going on with you? Is something happening at home? Hey, is there, is there something happening here at the office that I'm not seeing or that I'm not understanding? Just, hey, help me understand this situation. Uh, it's important to look for nonverbal cues, to pay attention to, um, to tone, to body language. All those things will give you a clue as to what's going on with this person. And if they're receptive to, uh, to walking together. Um, and I think a good rule for this is prioritizing understanding over being understood. Um, 
Because again, a lot of times we want to tell them why they're wrong, but if we, will, if we will humble ourselves a little bit and step back and go, okay, I want to understand what's happening because I know this person's not evil. And again, we have to remind ourselves of that sometimes, don't we? I know this person's not evil. And so I want to understand what's going on in them that would cause them to manifest the stuff that's coming out of their lives. One of the things that's important to do is when you ask questions, you don't interrupt. Does anybody, that's a hard one for some of us, isn't it? Because when they say something, and again, maybe the conflict is, is a little bit personal, and they say something, and you're like, no, 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 that's not how it went, right? No, no, I want to correct you on that. That is not what I said. And all of a sudden, what happens? Like, everything's inflamed. And so I would encourage you uh, to, to bite your tongue. If there's something you need to address in what they say, make a mental note of it. And then when the time is right, you can, you can respond to that. Um, so you do not interrupt. And, and I would encourage you, conscientiously listen to what they're saying. Uh, again, many times in a, com- in a c- combative situation, what we're doing is we are just arming ourselves for our turn, right? We're like, uh, you keep doing what you're doing. I'm loading the gun. Like, I'm getting ready. And we're not paying attention. We're not trying to understand. We're just getting ready to fire back. And so one of the most important things we can do is really engage, look them in the eye, listen to what they're saying. And, and, and we're not trying to formulate a response. We're simply trying to understand. And those nonverbal cues that we're showing when we look them in the eye, when we lean in, when we seem to be paying attention, those are going to help disarm them as well. So those are all the things that we do when we ask the question. Um, and again, we wait for them to finish. We wait for them to, to share what's going on. And we don't try to fix them in that moment. We just ask the questions. Um, and, and I didn't say this earlier. If there's something you want to add as we're talking or there, you've got a question while we're talking, feel free. Raise your hand, ask, um, and we'll have time at the end to do some Q&A as well. But feel free to ask during this as well. So number one, ask questions. Number two, uh, understand. And this kind of goes back to what Michael said a minute ago. Um, one of my favorite authors is John Steinbeck. And John Steinbeck said, all war is a symptom of man's failure as a thinking animal. Uh, and what happens when we get into war, um, you know, conflict of personalities, sometimes our reason goes out the window and our emotions take control. And one of the worst things we can do is let our emotions take control because we will say things and do things that we will never, ever, 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 ever be able to get back. And so that's where we have to, um, we have to be humble. We have to be reasonable when we get into a conversation and, and, and seek understanding. So it's not just that we seek to understand, but we want to communicate that we understand as well. Um, one of the things that, that I will say when I'm having a tough conversation, when somebody's, when I've asked questions and they're talking and there's something I'm not quite sure about, a lot of times I'll say, hey, Go, go deeper with that. Tell me, tell me what you mean. This is what I'm hearing, but, but I want to make sure I understand what you're saying. So help me understand what you're saying there. Because uh, it just offers some clarity. It offers them an opportunity to go a little deeper. Um, but it also helps them understand that, man, I'm trying to be on the same page with you. Uh, I would approach the conversation with openness and, and almost look at it like you're interviewing them. Um, not as an interrogation, by the way, but as an interview. If this was somebody that you just met, they just came to town and you're trying to get to know them. Uh, I know when people come to church, sometimes I think I throw them off because some of you have experienced this with me. When I met you, I'm like, oh, it's so great to have you. What brought you to Summit? Oh, Oh, great. Were you going to church somewhere else? Well, I was going to, oh, did you have a reason to leave that church? Do you need to go back and fix that? And they're like, whoa, what is going on with all these questions, right? Uh, But I really am. I'm really trying to get to know them. I'm 
I seek to understand. I want to get to know their hearts. And that's really the approach you have to take in this situation is divorce yourself from the hurt or from the pain or from the, the difficulty and just say, okay, I want to understand these people. Um, one of the things that's going to come out is when you ask the question, inevitably somebody's going to bring up, if you're the one directly related to the conflict, what was your fault? Well, if you would have done this, if you hadn't done this, and this is where we have an opportunity to be defensive or um, we have an opportunity to take responsibility for whatever our part was. But the good news is we should have owned that before we got into the conversation. So if we asked ourselves the question, what's my part? When we get into it, we should be in a better place to go, okay, I, you know what? I, I want you to know, I understand why you would think that about it. You know, I understand that you think I'm not a team player because you feel like I'm, I'm being critical. And I, I totally get that. I understand what you're saying. But... but um, and actually, I'm getting a little ahead of myself because what you do next is you, you state your case. That's Roman numeral three. Because what you, you can say then is, you know, I, I want you to understand me. I understand why you feel that way, but I want you to understand my perspective. Because, man, you know what? Uh, I don't feel like I'm undermining the team. I feel like in order to help the team, I want to point out some things that, that I feel like we could do better. And so I get why you feel like I'm hurting or I'm, you know, undermining the team, but really what I'm trying to do is help. And this is, so does that make sense? So you're, you're, you say, I understand why you feel the way you do. Because then again, it's not about you being wrong. It's saying, you know what, you're right, but it's not that I'm wrong either. And, and I want you to understand this, um, acknowledging that their feelings are valid and acknowledging that they might not be wrong about some things with you does not mean that you are surrendering, Okay. Because sometimes we don't do that because we don't want to give them any ground. Because again, we're looking at it as a competition. And it's not a competition. It's not armed conflict. If you're working with someone, you have a similar goal. So it's like, no, we're working together. We're on the same team. Uh, if it's a church, whatever it is, we, we're working together for this. So that's where we got to lay some of that down. Um, yeah, that's probably all I need to hit with number two. So yeah, number three, I already mentioned this, um, but this is where we state our case. And again, we're not trying to convince them that they're wrong and we're right, but what we're trying to do is help them understand our position. So after we've taken time to understand them, then we shift it and go, okay, I want, I want to try to help you understand me. Now, this is the trick. You will never make someone understand you. If they are obtuse or if they... Uh, have the wrong heart, it doesn't matter what you say or the way you say it, they're not going to get it sometimes. And it's not your responsibility to make them get it. Uh, it's your responsibility to be as loving as possible through this and to try to find the common ground. So what do you do? You state your case. Um, really practically, you speak as calmly as you possibly can. You divorce yourself of your emotion and um, you don't give them a reason to think you're being an idiot. Um, I've had a couple of hard conversations in my life that I wish I could go back and fix because what I said was a thousand percent correct, but the way I said it was a thousand percent wrong. And so they missed what I was saying because of the way I was saying it, because it was laced with emotional, uh, you know, feelings and thoughts. Uh, it doesn't matter that I was right. I was not being righteous. Um, and so as a result, uh, it derailed all of the reconciliation, trying to make things right. And so I would encourage you, speak as calmly and as matter-of-factly as you possibly can. And, and this really does increase the odds that they're going to hear what you have to say rather than just seeing what you say. Um, avoid finger-pointing. Um, this is 
literal and figurative. So uh, the, one of the worst things you could do in a conflict is to start doing you know, physical things like this. That's just, defenses go up immediately. You know, if you want to fight, like that's a good chance. And we're in Western Pennsylvania, so they're probably armed too. So, uh, you know, so don't finger point. Again, we're, we're shifting it from being, hey, we want to reconcile to, hey, we're trying to fight. And, and that's going to deconstruct the whole thing. Uh, you'll obviously avoid name calling, yelling, screaming, cursing, any of those kind of things, they're going to derail everything. So you keep it as calm, you keep it as uh, humble as you possibly can. One of the things, and this is great in your marriage, this is something I practice, is um, you avoid, um, avoid words that are absolute, like always, never, everything, nothing. You never do anything around here. That's not true. They do, whether it's the guy at your office or your spouse, they do do stuff around there. But what you just did is you gave, you gave them permission to say, no, you're an idiot for saying that. So you just lost any kind of high ground you had in this conversation, any kind of credibility. And so always, always, always avoid, always, never, everything, nothing. Those kind of statements will get you in trouble in those kind of conversations um, because they're going to be accurate to express how you feel, but they're not going to be accurate to express the, accu- the, the actual situation. Um, I would go back to those understanding statements that we set, talked about earlier. Hey, I understand you feel this way. I understand why, you know, all those things. Um, but at the end of the day, you have to stay on topic. Um, <laughs> I want to be careful because we're recording. Um, I, I don't win very many arguments with my wife. And one of the reasons is that uh, she doesn't stay on topic very well, and she will pull some stuff out from way back, and then it's like, I can't win. Like, I can't beat her, so, like, I surrender, right? Like, that's the end. Um, but in, in normal kind of conflict, stay on topic. And if somebody goes off topic and somebody goes rogue and they go, well, you know, this is just like back in March when you da-da-da-da-da, that's where you go, whoa, 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 whoa. You know what? I'd love to talk to you about that, but let's resolve this situation first. I totally understand how, why you might feel that way, but, you know, let's, let's focus on this situation first. Let's resolve this one. Um, because again, it's so easy to start stockpiling all of our arguments about people. And then we just unload them all in that moment. And that is so unhealthy for us to do. Because again, if, if we're really interested in helping, if we're really interested in reconciliation, then we're going to address that earlier rather than later. When we delay, that's when it's easy to stockpile all that stuff for a conversation. And we go, and another thing, and another. It's like a bad infomercial where we go, but wait, there's more. You know, it's like, oh, I'm not done with you yet. Here's even more coming and more. And you've probably been the victim of that. I I served under a pastor one time who uh, I thought I was his best employee. And we got to my annual review and he just unloaded everything that he had a problem with me over for the last year. And it was like, wait a second, why didn't you tell me about this? Like, you've been, you've been angry at me since January about this stupid thing that happened. I'm sorry, like, I had no idea. So I couldn't fix it, I didn't. And so I felt like, man, this is not fair. So I think we've all been there, but that's what happens when we do this, when we fail to address it early on. So stay on topic, because it's unfair to build a case with unrelated issues. Um, the fourth thing, fix the problem. That's pretty direct, isn't it? But I think sometimes we feel like fixing the problem just means I'll, if I get this off my chest, I'll be better. But it's not. It's not enough just to have an emotional response. Um, we have to actually come to resolution. So ask the other person what they think will work. So when you, when you have stated your case, when you feel like you understand, they've talked about their stuff, this is where, you, well, what do we need to do to move forward? What do you think would be a good solution to the problem we have right now? 
And then you don't leave until you come up with a solution. Because it's easy to go, well, I think we're fine. Yeah, I'm not mad at you anymore. We'll be fine. Let's go. But I think it's important to, to talk about and agree upon what are we going to do moving forward? What is that going to look like? Yeah. It's real important. Listen. Eye contact and listen. Because when you're in that resolution phase, if you can bring up, now you mentioned this. Let's talk mm-hmm. about this. It, it kind of gives them a little bit of validation. gives them a little bit more security. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And one of my notes says build on what they, something they say. So you ask the question, and even if they say something harebrained, you can probably find something good in there and you go, you know what, I really like this. And so again, it gives them validation. It helps them feel like, okay, I'm valued in this and we're working together on this. Um, and sometimes at this point, things might get heated again. So the, the ovens turn back on. And this is where uh, to de-escalate, it's always good to go back to questions. It's always good to go back to, okay, you know what? I thought we were working through that. Help me understand. Help me understand what shifted. Help me understand what's going on. Why, like, why did things seem to change, you know, when I asked about, you know, so always go back to questions that will help de-escalate the situation. Uh, and again, don't leave the conversation without agreeing to a resolution. Something that you can say, we're both in agreement on this moving forward. Are you good, are you good with this? Are you good with that? Yeah, I am. All right, great. Well, I'm, I'm excited about that. And then the last thing I would say, and this is real brief, affirm. Uh, I think it's really important after you have a hard conversation. I think especially if you are uh, a supervisor or a superior having one with a subordinate, I think it's so important to come back and affirm them and say, hey, thank you for letting me have that conversation with you. You know, I, I, I've seen how you've responded and I, I so appreciate that. And uh, man, I, I hope you know my heart. Um, I want to help you. I'm never here to hurt you. And I want you to be successful. So thank you for doing a great job. Thank you for, you know, doing what we talked about. Thank you for whatever it is. So when we affirm them, what we're doing is we're rewarding good behavior. Um, and those of you that are in sales environments, you understand this. Um, you, we measure or we, we, we celebrate what we measure. And so, you know, if, if what you measure is sales, then that's what's going to be celebrated. And I think when you celebrate good behavior, when you celebrate, hey, we can re- resolve conflict in a, in a good way that ultimately brings health to the organization and health to individuals, then that's going to promote that kind of behavior moving forward. So I think you celebrate that, you affirm that, and that's gonna help others see that as well. And I will tell you, the people in your organization are looking at how you handle conflict, and when you handle it well, it's, gonna, it's going to create an environment where they trust you, and they, they know that if I've got a problem, I can get it resolved in a healthy way. So um, those are the basic things uh, I would run through. Um, Roman numerals one, two, three, four, and five are the main ones, and then you know the four openers. Let me pray over you guys and we'll be dismissed. God, thank you so much for these leaders. God, I, I don't know what all their roles are, where they fit on the corporate flow chart. Uh, if they're the boss, if they're the owner of a company, if they lead a department, maybe they just are a leader in their family. God, I pray that you would help us as leaders lean into difficult conversations more. Help us, help us follow your pattern of being full of grace and truth, to be able to speak truth in love to people uh, in the right season at the right time. And God, I pray that as we have these conversations, Lord, you'd be glorified through it, that Lord, there'd be health in organizations, health in families. And God, I pray that, that we would become better and the people around us would become better as well because we lead well. So thank you for each of these leaders. I pray that the rest of this week, Lord, you would shine a light through them in their workplace, in their families, in the different places they go. I pray that you be glorified through us. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Guys, God bless you. And uh, if you put a star by your name saying you wanted the notes, I'll send the notes to you tomorrow. Thank you for being here. And if you're interested in the audio, uh, I'll let you communicate to you where you can get the audio to if you'd like that. So guys, thank you. Appreciate you. God bless you.